one of the things that I was going to announce that I couldn't remember at the, at the kickoff of the evening was um, we are recording these messages of the elephant room. And so if you happen to miss a week or um, you, you want to get the, the MP3 of it or download it or whatever, listen to it again, uh, they will be online. And uh, last week's first serious topic on dating is online currently. So if you go to the Cornerstone webpage and then go to the college and career air section and you know go down to Vespers, uh, it'll be there. It's there currently. So anyway, so if you wanted someone else to listen to that or uh, whatever the case may be, it's there. So I just want to let you know that, and these will all be online. So welcome. I'm excited you're here tonight. Um, I've been praying and working diligently, hopefully, on tonight's number two. And tonight we are going to be venturing into the world of drinking is the big one for this evening. We're going to be talking about drinking, what that looks like. Is it a sin? Of course, that's the big question all the time. Is drinking a sin? And what does God's word say about that? One of the things that I want to make sure I clarify each evening when we're together is uh, what is the elephant room? And, And this is topics that we've put together or we'll be putting together uh, that are discussions and topics that a lot of times the church doesn't talk a whole lot about and they're not sure how to talk about it or they, they just say, this is what we believe and let's just put it there and we're done with it and move on. And I really feel strongly that um, obviously Jesus, God's word, needs to be the standard for life and that the church should be the megaphone for what we believe and not the world. And so I just, you know, it's an opportunity for us to come together and talk about real life things that are really going on and, uh, and do that in unity. And as we go through the evening, it will look a little different than what Vespers normally looks like. Uh, on these nights, these nine nights that we'll be doing these elephant room topics, I'll be preaching more, um, but we will still be breaking into our table groups and having conversation. So that'll be happening for each one of these topics. And I do have questions to give the table group leaders to kind of help guide if needed. Now, I don't want the questions to be dictated by what is discussed. If you have other things to conversate about in regards to the topic, I want that to be the precedence. Um, but the questions are there just to facilitate conversation if it gets awkwardly quiet. It's like, oh, what do we say next, right? Who's thought who wants to speak first? So those will be given out as we break in our table groups. And then we'll get back together at the end and just say, hey, what do we all talk about? What are things that your group talked about? And share those as a big group. So let me get in, into prayer again. I know Greg just prayed, but let me pray um, that God will just use my words and my heart in the way it's pleasing to him, and we'll get going. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you tonight uh, for this opportunity to get together. Uh, we do want to give you praise, and we thank you for the opportunity to do that tonight. And, and God, I pray, too, as we get in this conversation, uh, dig into your word about what it looks like um, in this question, this elephant room, this gray area uh, that the church has a hard time dealing with. Lord, I pray tonight that you will just guide the conversation. Lord, I pray that you will guard my heart, um, guide my words, and that it'll be on ears that are um, able to understand. Lord, we just want to thank you and give you praise in advance for what you'll do tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So fun topic, right? I, what my goal was to actually get with a company and find some empty keggers to put on stage to kind of add to the drama, um, and I just didn't get it, I just didn't get it done. So forgive me for that. 
Um, but here's the first, the, the two top questions we're going to be going through tonight. And there, are, there is paper on the table, so if you wanted to take notes or jot down thoughts that you might have as we're going through this, uh, there will be a ton of scripture. I'll try to speak clearly so that way uh, you're able to hear what's going on and jot those things down. But I do have notes. I know someone, I had great, by the way, conversation emails back from a lot of you from last week's conversation on dating. Please keep doing that. I, that's really encouraging and challenging for me. Uh, I know someone had asked for my notes and I didn't get those sent out yet, but th- that will be coming. So if you do want any of the notes to kind of look over and tear apart or do what you need, that's, I'm willing to do that. No problem. So here are the two questions that we're going to kind of dive into and go over this evening is, is this, is it a sin? Is drinking a sin? That's the big frustrating question. Uh, and, and then what does God's word say about it? What does God's word really say about drinking? Now, we have to come to the table with all of these topics. As we, as we meet for these topics we'll be discussing through the elephant room or the elephant in the room, these are all topics that all of us come to the table with coming from different perspectives. Um, you know, like how did we grow up? You know, what environment did you grow up in? I'm thinking of drinking specifically. What kind of environment did you grow up in? I mean, we have to bring these things to the table because as I'm speaking, I'm thinking of all the different things that have gone on in life or the things that have come, you know, come to you, the cards that have been dealt, environments that you've been in, and go, okay, now how do we, how do we take the things that we've gone through, the lenses that we see life through, uh, and how do we portray God's word? Not so that it can be interpreted differently for each person, but what does God's word say? Sometimes that's very challenging depending on where we're at. Um, and also it can be very comforting. So it kind of depends on, on, you know, how did we grow up? How did you grow up? You know, what was the environment like when you were growing up? You know, was it an environment where drinking was just common in the home, but it wasn't an overabundant addiction type of an environment? Was it something that, you know, there was no alcohol bottle that ever came in the door of my house? Now, I don't know. There's just vast differences, obviously, there. If it's a Christian home or non-Christian home, there's going to be varying um, perception and uh, perspectives there. You know, in, in the church... Were you in the church or not in the church growing up? I mean, that's another part of that. I mean, you know, what church did you come from? I mean, there's specific denominations that drinking is a part of the denomination. I mean, that, that's just it's just a part of what happens. It's not a shocker. And there's some, some denominations that say it's a sin, period, we're done, move on. And so there's just, even in the church in America, there are so many vari- variables in regards to the perspectives. And then we get into the, the, the areas that the family members um, were maybe alcohol- alcoholics. There were some traumatic things that happened, on, happened in the home. There was abuse in many different facets. Some people, you know, have, have dealt with mental abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse stemming from alcohol in the family, either from a close relative or a distant relative or a friend, someone that you've been in a relationship with. There is a lot of different things um, that we have to deal with in this area. But God's work does, word does speak clearly. And um, I'm excited to get into that. So let's get in our main passage for tonight. It's going to be John chapter 2. So we'll be going there. We're going to be reading um, the first 10 verses of John chapter 2. This is a, a great story. This is obviously a story that a lot of people communicate about in regards to drinking in Scripture or not and all that kind of good stuff. And obviously it points straight to Jesus. And so that's one reason why a lot of people use this text. But this is the, the, the scripture that talks about Jesus changing water into wine. So if you'd follow along with me, I'm going to read the first 10 verses and then, uh, and then just kind of talk about this a little bit because there's so many interesting things a part of this. 
Here's what it says, John chapter 2, 1 through 10. On the, th- on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servant, fill the jars with water. So they filled them with, to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master for the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water and he had, that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from though the servant who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheap, cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have served the best, waited to serve the best till now. There's a couple of things that I just, I almost kind of cracked up over when I was reading over this. And as I looked through this and kind of dove through this, is, is this, you know, part of understanding the history of the Jewish custom, when they had a wedding, it wasn't just like what we do. It's like kind of have your 15 to 30 minute ceremony and then the, the afternoon or evening get together if people dance or drink or just have a get together and then the bride and groom are out. Like, we're out of here. See y'all later. Thanks for coming. In their time, they had, they had their wedding party for weeks. I mean, it was, it was just going and going and going. And, and the f- interesting thing is it was, it was the bridegroom's family's job to make sure that there was plenty of feasting happening, there's plenty of drink to be had, that they were taking care, they were hosting well. And so the funny thing that, that you see when we look at this is Jesus, I mean, Jesus' mom, Mary, was a part of, the, part of the family. And you see the disciples and Jesus were invited. And here's the thing that I find really interesting about this is the wine is running out, and what does Jesus' mom do? I mean, how many of you here have moms? Okay, yeah, all of us. And if you look at what she does here, she says this. She, she comes over to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, um, they have no more wine. I mean, if you look at that, it kind of looks funny to me. It's kind of like, you know, those times a mom didn't, like, tell you to do anything, but she did in asking a question or saying something like, hey, your room's a mess. You know what I mean? It's like she's not telling you to clean your room up, but it's like this is your last chance to volunteer to do this before you get whooped or whatever. You know, it's like, hey, hey, you know, there's stuff out in the lawn that you didn't pick up. Or she's telling him, she's, this is mom coming to Jesus going, hey, Jesus, they need more wine. Hint, hint, you know. And he's like, oh, mama, come on. It's not my time, right? It's not my time. This is not where this is supposed to happen. People are not supposed to know yet. And here's the funny thing. You look at this as, as he says this. As soon as he says, my time has not come yet, what does his mom do? What does Mary do? She doesn't talk to him. She doesn't try to find another reason. She turns immediately from him. So picture Jesus and Mary talking. She says, hey, Jesus, I need you to take care of the situation for me. He says, mom, it's not my time. And then she goes, okay, servants, do whatever he says. I mean, it's like he's, she's facing the other direction now. Like, okay, you, just do what he says. Mom spoke. Jesus' son's going to follow through. Uh, to me, I don't know about you. I think that's hilarious. I, I mean, I think the times my mom spoke and she just, here's what's going to happen. Just want to let you know, get her done, right? Um, and so it's just such a fascinating um, example of how J- Mary and Jesus worked together or communicated. Um, and then as you look through this more, it's incredible. They take these huge, huge jars 
Um, and then he takes and he fills him, he fills him full of wine. Not only just just generic cheap, you know, the you know, just run to this quick, you know, the store real quick and grab whatever's cheap and bring it back. I mean, he's getting the best stuff. And not only that, but he's using he's it's like filling the baptismal full of wine. I mean, they they use these jars for cleansing, and, and he's going. I'm going to just we're going to use this, and we're going to fill it full of wine. And I just I'm just blown away by what he does here, and that he then in turn gives the bridegroom's family uh, the best situation that they could possibly have. I mean, he's putting them on top of going, hey, you, did you miss last week's wedding? You missed it because the best wine came out last. It's incredible that this whole story is happening around the topic that we're talking about. I remember um, the, one of the early years in youth ministry, uh, I had a volunteer that was helping with youth ministry, and, and, and I had him speaking one night. And, and what, we, what we, we're going to be looking at here is, and I'm going to give this story as an example of how sometimes we'll take a piece of Scripture and say, this is what I'm basing everything that I live my life on. I know you're waiting for me to say, is it a sin or is it not a sin, Brian? Come on, let's get to the, the good stuff, right? But I had, a, I had a really good buddy that was uh, sharing in our youth ministry one time, and as he was talking, he brought up Scripture that said, hey, Scripture says, God's Word says, drinking is a sin, period, blank, and he kept moving. And it was the only time in my youth ministry year so far that I've actually had to shut down someone that was communicating in the youth ministry or whatever ministry I was a part of and saying, whoa, 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 back up, back up. This is, you're not seeing scripture accurately here. And graciously, he, he was a good friend, so we were able to deal with that. Um, and Rochelle remembers that we probably spent the next two days just digging into God's word and I'm going, I have to find every scripture that talks about drinking, drunkenness, wine, beer, alcohol, anything that has anything to do with drinking, I've got to get the details because I do not want to be wrong on this. Because he was taking a certain piece of Scripture, one verse, and not getting the full context of, of the verses in, this, in the section, and saying this is what God's Word says about this topic. If you look in number 6, the book of Numbers, you don't have to go there, but if you, but if you look in number 6, there's something that talks, it's talked about a Nazarite vow. And in this section of Scripture, and this is what he was pulling from, talks about a time where, and, and Nazarite specifically means consecration, devotion and separation. This is a time where an Israelite would, would separate themselves from their family, from their community, and there was just a one-on-one time just with God. I mean, they wouldn't, there were certain meats and foods they couldn't eat. They couldn't drink any alcohol, any wine. They, there was a ton of things they could not do. They couldn't have sex if they were married. I mean, it was just a list of things that they had to separate themselves from to just get one-on-one with God. And then they had to do a whole bunch of rit- ritualistic stuff with the priests and such to even come back into the, into the group of the family and, and the church. And so in there, it says, if you look at the verses in, in that section, number six, about not drinking, it would be a sin to drink. And if you read around it, it also says, like I said, the meat and you know, sex with your wife or husband, and it just goes on and on and on. And, um, you know, I, I studied, as I was studying through that, after that happened, I was studying and studying. I, I got to like 66, seriously, different verses on drinking. And at that point, I was like, I tap out. I have studied so much. I, you know, this is, this is incredible how much God's word talks about this, this topic. And so one of the things that I want to encourage us to do as we look at these different topics, as you are struggling or challenging or interested or curious, as we dig into God's word, is to take the full word into context. I mean, not just that verse, not just the verses in front and behind, not just that pericope, not just that chapter, not just the book, but the whole entire book, all of God's word together, because there are certain things that we could take from right here and go, whoa, this is what God's word says. But what I want to challenge us to do, and I do this for myself, is if I read something 
and it kind of like hits me like, whoa. Like a couple weeks ago, we were talking in First John about um, murdering someone in our mind. Remember when that topic came up? We had some questions, and there we were like, whoa, what's I? And you're not going to go to heaven if you do that. And so we had all these questions kind of arise about that. So what we want to do is we want to take those thoughts and those verses and go, now what does it say in the whole context of Scripture? Because God's Word is truth. We believe that. God's Word is, is, is across the board. Um, it's going to go together. It's going to fit. It's going to make sense. But we have to make sure we're putting verses and sections in context. And so I just remembered that. As, we were, as I was preparing for this, because my friend had a, had a great verse, but he wasn't using it to the right context. So here's the first question. Is it a sin? And that's, I, I remember thinking it was kind of funny, and I'm not making fun of anybody here, but as we were first talking about doing the elephant, elephants in the room, and I gave you guys the cards, and you guys were seeing the topics, I immediately had people come to me going, oh, drinking. So you're going to tell me I'm sinning, huh? You know, it was, it was like already these kind of thoughts and, you know, you kind of think of the church and think, oh, the church says it's totally bad and it's wrong. It's a sin and he's going to judge me for it. And I just, you know, that's, that's why we're doing this. I want us to be able to talk about it and go, what is God's word saying? And so the first question, is drinking a sin? Right? Drum roll. No. Drinking is not a sin. It's not a sin. Now, don't get excited on the other side. Woohoo! Gordon and Humpies tonight. After we're done with Vespers, everybody at Humpies, we're going to hang out, right? You guys can relax. It's okay. Don't, so don't get excited. We've got a lot more to come about this. But no, drinking is not a sin. And there's a lot of scriptures that talk about this. 1 Timothy 5.23. Paul's writing this letter to Timothy. And he's, he's communicating to Timothy how he wants Timothy to handle his life. He's talking about all facets of life for Timothy. But here in this, in this verse in 523, he's talking to Timothy about drink. He says, he tells him to drink some wine with your water, mix some wine with your water. Now, when you get to study Tim and you get to know who he is and his lifestyle and such, he, he's a kind of a sickly guy. And we have to also take in context of that today in time and go, what was the culture like in that time? And wine was used for all facets of things. It was used as medicine if people were sick. They used it as medicine. That was their medicine at the time. I mean, they used other herbs and things too, but that was a medicine they would use. And so Paul in this context is saying this to him. He's saying, hey, you're, you're, kind of, you're sickly. You're having some issues. Take some wine, mix it with your water. It'll settle your, settle your stomach. You can get some rest, that kind of stuff. It was also used as a disinfectant. So they medically use it for disinfectant. And it was also because unsafe, there was unsafe drinking water. At the time, in a lot of, still a lot of countries today, you, you know as well as I do, there's unsafe drinking water. And so they would mix wine with the drinking water for them to be able to, to, um, to drink and not get sick all the time. So here's Timothy talking, to, I mean, Paul talking to Timothy about drink some wine. This will be good for you. And now listen, as we read through some of these, we have to take in context of what he's saying. Is, is, he, is he saying how much? Is he saying drink all you want? I mean, we're going to get into some of that, right? But he's saying you need to do this. If you look through old, the Old Testament scripture, um, there's Old Testament scripture all over the place that talks about um, drinking and what that, the context were. Um, if dealing with kings, dealing with priests, um, those who were in, in, the, in the temple. I mean, there was offerings that were given to, to God as well as to the priests and the, and the, and the leaders of the church. I mean, just, we could spend the whole night just talking about all the different verses that talk about the uses and the reasons for having wine. So we do know that that was the case. Let's look up Matthew eleven nineteen. This is a place where Jesus is talking. 
And in Matthew eleven nineteen, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees' judgment on himself. He's you know, earlier in the chapter. He, He says some things that the Pharisees are like, you're doing this and you're doing this and Jesus, you're doing this. Remember, they were always trying to find things to get on Jesus about. And here Jesus is talking and he says this in verse 19. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, talking about the Pharisees, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her um, accusations. So here we're seeing that the Pharisees are not only calling Jesus a drunkard, so that means he was drinking. He had to have drank if they're calling him a drunkard, right? He, they, they think he's eating too much. This dude just is pigging out. He's a, he's, a, he's a glutton. And then they're all saying, you know, he hangs out with tax collectors. He's hanging out with people in the wrong places, doing the wrong thing. So here's a guy coming and saying, hey, I'm God. But he's, he's eating, he's drinking, and he's hanging out with the sinners. You know, so the Pharisees are really dissing him about this, and he's saying, hey, Here's the deal. And he kind of talks quite a bit about that. So there's a spot where Jesus talks about himself um, even drinking. And then if you look in Luke 22, 17 through 18 specifically, but Luke chapter 22 is about the Last Supper. This is, uh, you know, our upper room. The disciples are together. And Jesus is talking about, this is the last time that I will drink with you. He takes the cup. He drinks. He passes around. This is where he breaks the bread, drinks the wine with, with, his, with the disciples, and says, I will not you know, drink from this cup again uh, until I come back. And so, and we know all the symbolism there as well. So scripture, you know, talks about in many facets in different places about drinking in scripture. And so I, I really believe that it's not a sin, but scripture also is very clear that drunkenness is a sin. And I, I would say that a lot of people, a lot of churches would, would jump on board with that too, that drunkenness is a sin. If you look in Ephesians 5, 18, it says specifically, do not get drunk, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. Galatians 5.21 and 1 Corinthians 6.10 says this, live this way. And he's talking about if you are doing all these things, there's a plethora of, there's a list there of things. If you do this, if you do this, if you're doing these things, and all, you're, living, you're living this way. It's not saying if you get drunk one time, you're going to hell. Right? But this is what it says. If you're living this way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? So that's talking about a lifestyle. It's not talking about, hey, okay, I know that Joe went and got plastered a couple weeks ago. He's definitely going to make it now. Right? But it's talking about what? Be filled with the Spirit. So it's talking about, are you living this way? Is it a lifestyle in regards to this just who you are? And it's not just drinking. There's a plethora of things, like I said. But it's saying again, be filled with the Spirit. So it's talking about what our life should be consumed of. Proverbs 20.11 says this about drunkenness. That those who drink a lot of wine become mockers. And those who drink a ton of beer become brawlers. If you're consuming drunkenness in these categories, it actually tells some things. And there's other scripture that does the same thing. That you know, Here's some things that are going to happen. And we see these things. You guys have all been in environments where you know, there's some guys that like to drink. And they, they, just, they just start brawling all the time. You know, it's just different situations that people get in. Um, people are drinking too much and they're talking too much. I mean, there's just a lot of different things. And so there's scripture that talks about, uh, and there's quite a few Old Testament scripture that do the same thing. that explain different things that are um, consequences or results of drinking in large consumptions. Uh, and we're going to talk about, obviously, the, the temple. We'll talk about that too. First Timothy 3 and Titus 1 talk about qualifications to be an elder. 
and deacon. And when it talks about this, obviously it's talking about not being drunk. And then it also says all others should follow their example. So not only is it being specific about elders in the church or deacons in the church, but then it's also saying all of us should follow that example. Okay. So here, let me, let me get some, let's do some specifics here. Who shouldn't drink? Who should not drink? Well, obviously someone underage, right? I mean, part of this deals with, when you look at the whole picture of drinking and drunkenness or the whole gamut, we have to look at honoring our governing authorities. Scripture in, in Romans 13, 1 and other places too talk about honoring the government that God has put over us. Okay? And, and obviously in the United States, uh, one of the, the, the regulations we have is someone that's of age. You have to be a certain age to drink. That's something we're obviously we're all aware of. And, and it really takes effect too in those who aid in others that are younger than you. So if you're buying alcohol for someone that's underage, that's an issue obviously. Um, but someone, someone who's underage should not be drinking. That's something we all know. Let me give you some info about young people, people your age in America. Okay? These, are, these are things that anybody can research, find out, um, and it deals with, with this, this in different areas. Info about young people which are like the different things I was looking at. is like anywhere from 17 to like 35. So the, the normal age bracket that we're all in here. It says this, one in 10 young people will become alcoholic. One in 10 will become an alcoholic. And we know with drinking in our culture why that is. And, and here's the interesting thing. And I, I've just wrestled with this, but there's DNA strands in us or in certain individuals that just key off the alcoholic DNA trait. They still haven't found the markers for it, but it's there. They have found, uh, and I've struggled even theologically about some of that, but that's what they're saying. They're saying one in ten people, two, four, six, eight, ten, two, four, six, eight, ten. I mean, just boom, 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 will be. And we don't, you don't know until you start taking those first drinks. And then after that, you start going, I am fiending desperately for another drink. Um, and it's not the fact that, hey, I love, I love having a beer with a fo- you know, watching a football game. It's I wake up in the morning and I go, I've got to have this. I mean, there's one in ten people have that DNA strand. Um, so that's something we need to be aware of, we need to be thinking about. And then here's another one. One in two young people um, have the potential of being an alcoholic if they already have an alcoholic in their family. So there's an alcoholic in your family. It's like playing Russian roulette with a two-chambered gun. That's that's the chance that, you're, that we're taking if we have an alcoholic in our family. Here's some more facts and evidence that has been proven with alcohol in our, in our culture. Most domestic violence cases start with alcohol. Okay? Most domestic violence cases start with alcohol. Most auto accidents involving people of your age, that age bracket I was telling you about, starts with alcohol. Most. Most teenage pregnancies start with alcohol. Most rape cases start with alcohol. It's just tragic. Most drug addictions start with the basis of alcohol being at the forefront of that. So here's the question that you need to ask yourself. Am I, am I, well, let me, let me say this first. One of the things that's on my heart big time in, re, in dealing with the, the concept of someone that is addicted to alcohol, someone that's an alcoholic, or those who might be or that are battling with that, you need to let someone know. You need to let us know um, we want to help. We desperately want to help. 
And it's one of those things where alcohol is a situation where it's crippling. Those who have dealt with it or, or know someone that, that is um, dealing with alcoholism, it is crippling. And we have a tendency, in, in, and it's usually when we're sober, after we've come out of that situation, to go, I can do this. I can handle myself. I can make this work. I can be done with this. And then they realize after they've woken up with, your, with alcohol bottles all over the floor and they're in their own throw up and, and in their urine going, Ugh, not realizing they were even there until they did it again. Um, an alcoholic cannot do it on their own. They can't. So, you know, if, if you are in that situation, please, privately, let me know. Let someone know so we can walk through that with you. And if you know someone else, and we need, to, we need to be loving on them and encourage them. But here's some questions for you to be thinking about. Because it's not just simply the fact of going, is it a sin? Is it not a sin? Boom. Okay, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm of age. I'm not an alcoholic, right? So here's, here's some questions. Why do I drink? I'm asking you this question. Why, why do I drink? I mean, is it, a, is it a food thing? Do I drink? I, mean, I love having wine with my Italian food. Or I love having some beer with my pizza. I mean, I'm just asking. Think through, why do I drink? Is it, you know, I love watching sports. Sometimes I go to Buffalo Wild Wings. I know I'm just going to get a beer. I mean, that's just a part of what I do. Um, do you drink? Is why you drink is because of anxiety. Do you have anxiety built up in your life? And that's the only thing I can have release from. Is when once I get a couple beers in, I can relax. Or maybe even pressure. Do you drink because of pressure? Is it like, I, you, if you'd understand, Brian, how my work schedule was and what, who people I got to deal with, you would understand. I'm, I'm just asking. I'm not condemning. I'm asking, is it for pressure? Or is it lonely? I just, I drink when I'm lonely. I mean, we need to ask our question, ourself, ask ourselves questions about why we drink. And how does it affect me? How does it affect you? I mean, obviously that's a huge, huge question. Because a lot of times we feel like, you know, I'm a funnier person. I'm more enjoyable to be around. I, you just kind of fill in the blank um, after having a couple uh, beers or a, you know, glasses of wine. But we need to think, how is it affecting me? How does it affect others? A lot of times we think the things that we do, do don't affect anyone else. But um, there's a lot of different situations where it does affect others. I mean, there's a lot of people in this room that I know would say, it's affected me, you know. And how does our culture see it? I mean, that's one of the things we need to continue to look at is how does our culture see it? Because our culture, again, is feeding us thoughts and things that we are, we've just kind of grown into and go, well, this is the way it always, it's always been. This is the way it is. But we just need to ask, where does our culture, how does our culture see it? Good or bad thing? And, of course, we need to look at it from the church's perspective and say, how does the church see it? Your, your specific church or the church as a whole, how does the church see it? Here's two little more intimate personal questions about this. If you do drink, I mean, because some people don't, some people do, what am I using alcohol as a substitute for? What am I using alcohol as a substitute for? And some people don't, some people do. I mean, I think all of us in different facets have different things that we use as a substitute for what should be filled in, you know, for God. Is it a comfort? Is that, is that what that is? Is it a comfort? And then the other question that's kind of personal there is, am I glorifying Christ in how I proclaim him? Because, again, everything that we do, we, we wear the name of Christ on our jersey, right? So am I glorifying Christ in how I proclaim him? I mean, that, that's just situations like, um, you know, I'm getting all the guys together to play poker. 
and we're just going to pull the beers out and start, you know, playing. I mean, is that wrong? Is that a sin? No. But I, do I know where these guys came from, the situations they've been? Am I going to communicate with them and ask, hey, you know, or, or are they going to communicate and say, hey, no offense to you, but I, I mean, I think it's important for us to think, are we glorifying Christ and how we proclaim, proclaim him in these situations? One of the major topics that, that always comes up in this is, does it cause your brother to stumble, right? Your brother or sister to stumble. So let's venture into that a little bit. Does, does it cause your brother or sister to stumble? Romans 14, 21 and 1 John 2, 10 talks about this. And it's not just alcohol that fits in this category, right? It's not the purpose. It's, I mean, it talks about that, but it's not the only purpose. And, it, and really that the focus is kind of like the illustration of, of the, the poker night, from, if I had a poker night, is do we know the people around us? And do you know their life experiences? I mean, there's people that have been in such traumatic situations where, you know, like, for instance, a guy, his best friend was killed um, in, an, in an accident because someone was, was driving drunk, you know, and killed him. So they're like, I don't have anything to do with, with, with alcohol, you know, or, or someone that, was, you know, died of, of alcohol poisoning. Or, you know, talking with someone you don't even know that they were raped because their dad was an alcoholic, you know, or had just, just the stories go on and on and on. So we have to really think through do we know the people around us? Do we know their life experiences and what they've gone through? And, and that's the same for me when I'm communicating. I know there's been times that I've communicated and I said, I've said things. And then I've had you guys come up, which I love this, and say, um, I have a question about that. <laughs> that's good. We need the challenge. Again, this is not just about drinking. You know, causing our brother and sister to stumble. This is about things that we do, things that we say, the way we act. The point is, are we building up the body of Christ in that perspective? Am I causing my brother and sister to stumble, or am I building up the body of Christ? 1 Corinthians 6.12. This is, this is great, I think. I love this. 1 Corinthians 6.12 talks about all things are lawful and per, or permissible, however, you want to, however the wording is there. All things are lawful and permissible, but are all things helpful and beneficial? Right? Are all things helpful and beneficial? That's just something we need to look at to put in a context and say, yeah, I'm of age. I can drink, right? It, the law says I can. Scripture says I can. But is it helpful? I don't know. Is it beneficial? And then the very end of that part, it says, you know, I'm a free person, which is great because that speaks American, right? But then it says, but don't be mastered by anything. Don't be mastered. And so we have to really put in the context. And, and to me, what this really speaks of, this speaks of lordship. I mean, to me, that's what it just comes down to is lordship. Does Christ own you? The way I live my life, does he own me? Does my life reflect the lordship of Jesus? And obviously, if you look at reflect, I mean, it's just, is it visible? Is the way I live my life visible? I'm just trying to think through these different topics that, that kind of deal with, with drinking. Not saying it's bad, but are we thinking through it? First Corinthians six nineteen through twenty also says we were bought with a price. We were bought with a price. We were supposed to honor him with our bodies. And you know, it, when I in dealing with different things, I like to think, well, well, what does bought with a price look like? That means the crowns that went on his head, the lashes he took for me, you know, the nails that were in his hands and feet. The cross he had to carry, 
That was the price. Am I honoring him with my body? So, we have a lot of verses there. Um, I, I really feel that scripture plainly says drinking is not a sin. Drunkenness is. But I wanna, what I want to do this time is for us to get in table groups and talk a little bit. And I'd like you to just kind of share um, where, you, where do you fit in. Because, again, depending on how you were raised, some of the issues and life things that you've gone through, you might have some different perspectives. And I think it would be great for you guys to talk about that. So let's get together. I'm going to hand out some questions at the tables. If, if, the, if there's too many of you, you guys can kind of spread out and get with some other tables. Or if you're by yourself, jump into a table group. And we'll spend some time, and then I'll call everybody back together, and we can kind of share um, what we've talked about. Okay? Thank you. What I didn't do was I didn't share some of my story um, just so that you get to know me a little bit. So we'll do that, too, as we get to the end here. Oops, sorry. Oh, I'm falling for you, honey. Okay. All right. That was good, huh? You got to remember those. All right. All right. Hey, so, okay. So what was some of the conversations? What were some of the things that were said? Some of the things you guys chewed on, talked about? Let's throw those out there and let's just talk a little bit. What are things that your table discussed? Who's going to be the guinea pig? Yes, ma'am. Proverbs 31, 6 through 7. Okay, so Bethany's asking about Proverbs 31, 4 through 7. <clears throat> right, 4 through 7? Okay, um, it says here, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, is that right, Lemuel? Not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, le- uh, lest, the drink, lest they drink and forget the law decrees and deprive all oppressed in their rights. Give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are anguished. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Yeah, that's a good one. I actually did study about that a little bit today. Um, Sorry? Proverbs 31, 4 through 7. That's a great one. Um, The study that I've been doing on that, there's quite a few Old Testament scripture that talk about um, the priests, when and when they shouldn't drink, because it tells there's sections in the Old Testament talk about the priests can drink and they should drink can they here and they shouldn't drink there. Same with the kings, and they put it in the concept of lawyers because they don't want the king to be drinking and have to make a judgment call or a ju- you know a, a decision and be under the influence of of alcohol. So they're wanting the, the, the law is saying, hey, kings, you're obviously because it's a part of culture, and that's one of the things I didn't say too was. And understand the culture, it's not like they could decide, hey, do I want to get a Coca-Cola tonight? Do I want to go to the Fred Meyer and pick up a jug of milk? Do I, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm being silly, but in the context, I mean, it, it was water and wine. And, they had, and there was even, if you look in Scripture, there's even different contexts of different, I don't say different types of wine, but there's wine was wine. If you look up the Greek for wine, wine is wine. There's, there's even scripture that talks about grape juice. So there's a definition between grape juice and wine. So for those of us that kind of go, yeah, but there's this, do they really mean grape juice? That's what Jesus was drinking. I mean, it talks specifically about grape juice. And so some of that stuff, we kind of go, well, do we look, take that literally? Or, you know, so there's some chewing we have to do there. Uh, and then, like I mentioned too, there's, there's the water that was mixed with wine. 
<clears throat> there's also been discussion about new wine. So that's another whole discussion that which is like a mixture of, of stuff too. But in regards to um, your question, your thought, this is specifically saying kings, and there's other verses too that talk about that. Kings, those who are in, dis- in places of decision-making, this is where you need to have everything focused. You cannot be drinking and then go to sit in your chair and say, here's the creeds that I'm making. And it talks about that in regards to um, people in polit- other politic-type positions, other um, people that own businesses. It talks about that in Scripture. So other people that tend fields and look over people, they need to be aware of all of their senses in order to make those decisions. So I, if I'm understanding that right, yeah, that's, that's a good one, huh? I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I'm teasing. I think that kind of goes, now, I, I don't understand the full context of this one. But I do understand a little bit of, ah, how do I say this where it doesn't sound bad. You know how we deal with in our culture, uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to make sure I say this right. You know how we deal with in our culture, the situations when we have people that are of age or they're dealing with so much pain, we go, okay, what point do we cut them off? What point do we give them medication to aid them in not feeling bad? Some of this context deals with this. Someone's in a place where there's nothing we can do for them. Again, they don't have the med- medicine and the, the, all the, the technology and stuff that we have in regards to caring for the body and, you know, aiding them through. Um, so as far as I understand, some of that, I don't think completely, I think some of that context deals with um, some of the ailings and, hey, let's almost like say, hey, let's medicate them, right? I think that's what some of that deals with. But I, I didn't dig into that completely. I'm sorry. So I'll, I need to do some looking there. Anybody else have any insight? Anybody else know any of the thing? I have read anything about that before. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And two, awesome stuff, Rachel. I think, too, that second half is dealing with civil rights kind of stuff. And we're not civil rights as in, you know, what we talk about in America. I mean, talking about speaking up for people that can't speak. 
um, some of the study that I was doing that was talking about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I was using an example of Dietrich Bonhoeffer when he was speaking up for Christians in World War II. I mean, he was very up, on, up front about that, lost his life. Um, very similar to there's people that they can't have any, you know, it's like a family speaking for a loved one that's in a coma. You know, there's certain rights that are given, obviously, to someone else. And so I think, what, was, what were you going to say something? Were you going to say something about the, the second half of what she was asking there? Oh, I thought you said you were going to. So I think there's some civil rights stuff that goes along with that. But yeah, it's yeah, that's that's again why it's so important and it just it really does take some time, but it's it's so important to be like, okay, what does scripture say all the way through? And man, the old testament talks a lot, a lot, a lot about drinking, what that looks like and yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, sure. And I'll tell you, this whole thing has just changed over the, the centuries because of just the way our culture is and the way the church. I mean, um, the temperance movement is a big thing in the United States back, back, way back before our grandparents in regards to the church. Drinking was, like you said, the kind of Wild West. I mean, it was, that's all that was available then, too. It was water and that, you know. And, and so it, it got so rampant in the church that, uh, really, the temperance movement was started by a lot of women that were in the church saying, this is ridiculous. This is not going to happen anymore. And there was two things that happened. <laughs> One was pastor said, sweet, we can preach there, right? And then the second thing that happened was men were like, women are there. We can go there too. So men would stop their drinking to go to these temp- temperance movements. And this is where a lot of the denominations started doing some of their stuff. And this is where a lot of the, you know, drinking is sin and it's bad and don't ever... <laughs> That's where that, you know, the temperance movement that happened like early, early in the culture. Yeah. Mm. Sure. Yeah, I can do some more. I'll do some more looking too. Okay, so what are some other thoughts? Did that kind of at least get a little track of what's okay? And what else? What else was talked about your tables, Greg? Speak it up.
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Luke. Well, yeah, and that's where the balance comes in with where you stand and where someone else stands. Um, that's more of a personal thing versus a scriptural thing. Martin Luther um, made the point in talking about um, causing your brother to stumble, your sister to stumble. He, he, threw out the, he threw out the eating thing. He's like, you know, if, if you know, gluttony is an issue for someone that may never eat, you know, just don't ever eat around them because it's going to cause them to sin. That's ridiculous, right? And, and he threw out these other things, too, like, you know, women cause men to sin. So does that mean we get rid of all women? I mean, I don't think the guys are voting for that one, right? So I, I think I'm not dissing what you're saying at all. I'm just, I'm just saying he threw out those, ta- those thoughts, too, on saying, hey, uh, there's a balance between going, okay, look, this I, I personally don't see any. I'm not saying me. Whoever's speaking is saying, I don't find any good in drinking. It leads. I think that's where the church has come. It's like it, it all leads at some point to negative and sin and whatever. Um, and there's a, a lot of other things in life that Satan's distorted too. So, yeah, we got, we, then that's where the, the, the balance in the middle of going, okay, I, do I love you? You love me? Okay. For you, you're not an alcoholic. You, you drink when you like watching football games and you're not getting crazy. And I just can't do it. You know, and you, you just, I think communication is huge. I mean, we just were talking with someone um, just very recently that just handled a situation incredibly. We were so blessed to hear the story about that because they, they, were, they were wise. They had discernment. They, they, they communicated. It was just a blessing. And I think that's a big part of it is sometimes we don't communicate. We have a story that we had, <laughs> we had some really good friends of ours that we hung out all the time. And they had us over for dinner one night. And, uh, and we were hanging out, and he's, I was like, hey, man, I'm thirsty. He's like, hey, there's Dr. Pepper in the fridge. So I run in the fridge and go get the Dr. Pepper, and I noticed behind all the Dr. Peppers, all the beer. That's kind of like, that's obvious. You know, it was, it was hiding. It wasn't like he just didn't have room. It was hiding. And so I came back with the beer. I was like, hey, you know, what's the deal? You're trying to hide this from us? He was like, oh, you know, feeling bad. And I'm like, dude, seriously, you don't have to hide it. You don't have to hide it. It's not a big deal. I was just going to say um, earlier, Brian, um, one of the questions he asked, or he said was, am I glorifying, glorifying Christ in, you know, what I'm doing? Um, and I think, it, I, think it's, I think it's a personal thing between, you know, some people have a background of different stuff, and I think it definitely is, you know, for Greg, it's an issue, you know, but for somebody else it might not be, 
Um, and I think it's just as, okay, you know, it doesn't matter if they like the taste or whatever. Well, really, they need to just go to God and say, okay, God, what are you calling me in my life? What are you telling me about alcohol? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, you know, I think, I mean, he's a big God. He'll, he'll answer you even on something like that. Um, so I think that that's the, you know, I think that's the point to all of this is we're not saying, yeah, go out and do it on the weekends or no, it's a sin. You're going to, you know, burn for it. You know, we're just saying that you need to get on your knees and you need to seek the Lord's will for your life on that. Yeah, and you have to ask all the questions. That's why I was bringing the questions out because for me, if, again, if you were to ask me, hey, do you believe that drinking is a sin? No. Well, do you drink? No. Well, Why? If I don't think it's bad, why don't I? Because I have to take an account. Obviously, I'm a pastor, so there's all kinds of fun stuff there, right? But we have to take an account each situation we're in. What's the culture? How does the culture see it? How do my friends take it? The guys that I hang out with, did one of those guys have some serious issue because his dad was an alcoholic and just beat the tar out of him? You know, so anytime he sees a beer, it just, there's all kinds of things that happen. We don't know. You don't know that. And so um, it's huge for us. You know, like for me, I, I think of it in this perspective. I don't drink. Because I know the, the cultural view on drinking. If I go into Fred Meyer and I'm, I bring out a 12-pack of Budweiser, and one of my high school students walks in and goes, hey, Pastor B, what's up? And I'm like, what's up? You know, Their first thought is drinking is party and chicks and a kegger and party at fun on the weekend. It's not like, hey, I'm just going to have some wine with my spaghetti. That's not what it is for them. And, in our, and even in our culture in, at this age group, it's tough, too. It's a tough balance. Half of you, your friends are going, hey, you want to go out on a Friday night? Let's go do that. And you're like, oh, dear Lord, what do I do? What do I say? How do I tell? Will I, will I be the designated driver? You know, I still want to, you know, there's all these questions you have to ask yourself. So, yeah. Okay, what else before we get to going too late? Oh, I thought, Brian, no? Yeah, Chad. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, right? Exactly. Well. <laughs> right? That's what the people say. Sorry, Chad. I'll be quiet. awesome, Chad. Wow. It's really interesting because um, I can say, I, did, I don't know why, maybe God just gave this to me, but um, growing up, my dad, I mean, he probably technically could have been an alcoholic, well, but he never could just have one. He was a social drinker, but he never could just have one. It was always like, okay, you know, dad's going to have multiple, multiple, multiple until he's acting so stupid that it's embarrassing to me or my mom. And so... Um, I know in me finding a husband, like, that was huge, that he did not drink. Um, Because I didn't, I mean, probably part of it was I didn't want to have to deal with that. Um, And so 
I know for me it was huge to be able to say to be like, okay, you know, there's some things that my dad was really good at, but that part of his life, I just, you know, in finding a husband, I didn't want that for me or my children. And so even though, you know, he was a social drinker, you know, and for me, like kind of Greg's situation when people are like, oh, I'm just a social drinker, I have a hard time with that because that's what my dad used to always say. And so he was a social smoker and a social drinker, and it always got out of hand. So, you know, I think definitely for, you know, men and women in the room, you know, you just need to be mindful of the people around you. And ladies, when you're looking for a husband, you know, no offense, but if you're going to go to the bar to pick up a guy or guys, if you're going to go to the bar to pick up a girl, I wouldn't suggest that that's the godliest way to pick someone up. But that's my personal opinion. Go to eHarmony online. Um, and, and for me, I, I grew up, I remember at a very young age, my dad was in the military, and military is a lot like construction workers. It's just, it's hardcore. And so my dad, I remember my dad, um, I remember really went from a little age, certain times when my dad um, had, had been drinking, and it's just stuff was going on, you know. And um, I remember my dad told me at one point he had got um, alcohol poisoning to the point where he said, I'm done. And there was times off and on that he would have one beer, but we never had beer in the fridge. And so I grew up in an environment that, because of my dad's poor choices um, earlier, that uh, we didn't have beer. And so I, I never grew the, the taste. I never acquired the taste for beer. Like, to this day, I just don't enjoy it. I, I, now, I, I can drink a Mike's Hard's Lemonade or, or some Smirnoff, or I can drink wine coolers like there's no tomorrow, which sounds kind of f- fluffy. But I, I just, he's I, never drinking them until all day tomorrow. What? drinking them that long oh, oh i thought like tomorrow i get to drink some tomorrow no um, <laughs> um but uh but so for me i just i never i never grew up you know i i, I it was shocking to me we were talking last week and, and i was like yeah i've never i've never she didn't know that i'd never gotten drunk like i've never been drunk in my life i mean there's been times i'm like oh it's a little warm you know but and she was like what and i'm like how, how well do you know me but the point was i, I so that's my story in, in regards to i've i've never had a desire um now, there's been times when we were at the Christian college that we were working at. You've stopped recording, right? I'm joking. Um, <laughs> the, when the Christian college I was working at, we had some really close friends that lived um, about an hour from the school. And that was kind of our getaway. We'd, you know, Deanna would go swim in their pool. And it was like fam- they were like family friends. They were that close to us. And, uh, and he, w- he would always get me some, some wine coolers and stuff. And so that was my opportunity just to, to have a wine cooler while we were sitting by the pool or, or doing that kind of stuff. But... Um, but I also was, again, taking account who am I with, and, and it, I don't know. It's just, yeah, we have to be very aware of, of who we're around, what's going on. Okay, anything else before it gets too late? I don't want to respect your time. No, and I, yeah, I, th- I think the best situation is that we just talk about it. Like, get the elephant out of the room. Just be like, hey, everybody's coming to watch a movie. Does anybody want a beer? Or first of all, before I ask, how, where do you guys stand on that? I mean, just 
just don't be afraid to let, and it would maybe create an awesome conversation, you know, a godly conversation that would happen. You get to know someone you would, didn't know before that much more intimately. So, And I think that's a big reason. I know sometimes when we have get-togethers or barbecues that are Vespers events, some of you are like, hey, can I bring beer or whatever? Well, we, we would rather you not because we don't know everybody's situation. We don't know where everybody's at. That and it's, a church, I mean, a church function. It was kind of funny. We had some people go, can I bring a growler to the Vespers evening when you talk about drinking? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that, I mean, you know, we're just being mindful of who's in the room and who. And for me, see, he hasn't hardly ever drank. I started drinking when I was 14. And so, I mean, I was fo- following in my father's footsteps. And, yeah, yeah. you know, I didn't stop until I was 17. So, you know, now do I like an occasional pina colada? Yes. But I definitely know, you know. Hawaii is fun, isn't it, Rochelle? What did you say? I said Hawaii, <laughs> Hawaii is fun. <laughs> I'm just joking. Okay, any other thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all in perspective, right? Good. Anything else? Anything else? Was there any major, like, complications? I mean, not that I'm trying to stir the pot, but was there anything that someone was like, this is ridiculous? Nothing major? (laughs) Brian just said, I'm judging everyone. All right. Yeah, Kevin. Sure. Yep. You can die for your country, but you can't drink. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, that's something that when I was in the military, we would say, you know, this is one of those things that didn't make sense. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's I would say most, probably most, I mean, I guess for me, there is probably a small percentage, and maybe this is just being biased, but a small percentage of guys that are 18 that I would, I don't know. I guess my personal opinion is. I, that I mean, you would buy a beer for, you're saying? That I would buy a beer for. I mean, I understand the whole war <laughs> thing, but I guess I'm just. I, I work with some of those 18-year-olds, and I've toyed with them, and I would not give them beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we both. We both grew up military brats. Our dad served in the career from the military, and I was in the military, so I, yeah. Well, I think you have to look at the whole concept. And I don't know everything by detail, but I know that what prohibition back in the day shut down alcohol completely, right? because of all the issues we had. And then they reinstated it. And so I think the government is just trying to, what's, what's, a, what's a right age? What's, what's a good age for someone? Because, like, for instance, they say that the human's mind doesn't completely, is it, am I saying this correctly, form right until they're 25 or something. So, 20, yeah. 
And so I think some of this stuff, and I don't disagree with you, Kevin, at all. I think it's, when I was in the military, I agree. I mean, this guy can go and die first country, but he can't have a beer. I mean, it just doesn't. I, but I also remember when my dad was in the military that they had, they had, they had um, pop machines that were beer machines in the dorm, and the guys were emptying them on the weekends and making dumb decisions and getting kicked out of the military because they were taking drugs and they were killing themselves and they were beating women. And so, I mean, so there's just all this. There's all these hazy green fine lines, the government's decisions on, on all that stuff. But I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying, it, yeah, there's all these pieces. Um, you and Luke and then, and go ahead. Sure, yeah. Yeah. It's like me last week saying, I haven't stopped dating yet. Okay, real quick, I'm gonna make sure we hit people that we're wanting. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's right. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And it's interesting you say that because actually both of us were lived in Germany for quite a while. And I was, we were both in high school in, in Germany. And that was and one of the places that I did drink. Um, we would you'd go to the bus stop and they were giving beer. Because I mean, you could drink at 14. I don't know, maybe that's changed. But at the time it was 14. Um, and so it was just, it was an okay thing to do. Um, if you're a German citizen, they're working and like, we're drinking Gatorade and they're drinking beer. I mean, it's just part of their lifestyle. The Americans on the road, you know, the military folks were getting in accidents left and right because they could drink, but they were crashing their cars. And the Germans were like, this is normal. I mean, so yeah, there's just, there's these different contexts and different situations. Because the teens over there, I mean, when I would go to a bar there, I, I mean, there was American teens in there getting stupid. It wasn't like the German kids or German teenagers in there. It was always us American kids that were like, oh my gosh, we're in a different country. I mean, we still could have gotten in a lot of big trouble for it. But. And, and that's, that's kind of the context of looking at the scripture too. I think we, we have a tendency to like go, oh, drinking is bad and it's not really in the Bible. Um, but we have to understand that was a part of their culture at the time, very much like some European countries that drinking is just part of their culture. And it's not like drinking is keg partying and have sex and go crazy. It's, this is a part of what we do. It's like, I'm not going to get a Coke. I, I'm going to get an, a beer, you know? And so I think it's the same for scripture. It, whoa, hey, what's up, Brian? Um, I really haven't been drinking, I promise. It's just Kool-Aid. Um, is the fact that, you know, that was a part of their culture. So, you know, when they were really feasting and they were really drinking, that's where the drunkenness issues come in. Sorry, someone else had something. Oh, yeah, Natalie, sorry. That's good. No, I... And I do agree with the thought of why it doesn't make sense that you can die for your country. But I do agree. You, if the, if the, if the law says no, then we need to honor God. That's just that, it's that plain and simple. Okay, new subject. Anything else? Anything else? Thank you, Kevin, for bringing it forward. I appreciate that. Good. Hopefully, a good conversation. Hopefully, it'll be things for you to chew on, for us to keep thinking about, be praying about. Um, yeah, my heart's not to 
to slam us, but also for us to be, to be looking at Scripture, seeing what God says, and be moving forward with that. Okay. Um, any announcements? Leadership team? Yeah, Aaron. I don't know if that's helping your cause right now. Okay. <laughs> He's being serious. Good. Thank you, Aaron. That, that is true. That is good. Good deal. Greg. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good. Um, if you have any questions about Operation Christmas Child, please speak with Rachel. Um, if you are interested in serving some fa- in some facet here for Vespers, I know we could always use more help with the hospitality team. Um, I am looking for some more help with people that could help with slides if, you, if you're interested in helping out with that. And then, and then drum, drummer. So if anybody in here is a drummer, um, it'd be awesome. It is fun to play drums and then preach, but at the same time, it's kind of sweaty when I'm trying to do both. I'm just joking. That sounds gross. Sorry. Anywho. All right. Baby, would you pray for us, please? Pray for me. Oh, don't. I'll pray. You don't no, want to pray? Okay, I'll pray. Man. Talking about prayer next week and submitting. I'm joking. All right, let's do that. Okay. Father God, Lord, I just thank you so much for this evening. God, I pray that um, each one of us would search you, Lord, um, and just be still enough to listen um, where you're calling us to, Lord, with um, drinking. God, I. Um, pray for the individuals in this room, Lord, that you would um, just walk with them and talk with them, Lord, and just show them how wonderfully amazing you are um, and that you care about the small details, Lord. God, I just um, thank you for loving us um, and sacrificing for us, and I just pray that you'll be with us the rest of this week um, until we meet again next Tuesday. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. If, if you are able to help tear down a little bit, we appreciate it. The, the three big blue tables, they actually roll, fold up and go in the hall, in the closet in the hall. All the black tables are going to go over here in the storage area to my left, your right. And then if you were willing to help tear any of this down right here, that'd be awesome too. So thank you guys. We love you. If you have any questions, please let me know. Oh, you know what? A clarification. Last week when I was preaching, I was talking about dating is it, does it make you happy or holy? And what's, what's the pursuit there? And I had a really good thought. I didn't clarify very well that um, it's okay to be happy too, you know? Um, <laughs> and I'm not being sarcastic by any means from the person that was talking to me. But um, I didn't really clarify. I was talking about how, you know, what's the pursuit? Do you want to be happy in dating or you really want God to fine, fine-tune you as an individual? And obviously the, the, the heart there is that not, not if you're in, in a dating relationship, you're like, I just want to shoot myself. But, but we have what we talk about Jesus, you know, um, the, the idea is that, that you're having enjoyment as well as you're edifying and growing each other spiritually. So please, I, I don't, anybody else had any questions or thoughts about that? I wanted to make sure I, cl- the shooting part threw it over the top, didn't it? All right. Anybody that can help. We love you guys. Thank you. Peace out.